Hello, this is the Truth Bear 20s podcast. My name is Katie, and I am going to read for you the review of the week. So a fun little goal I've had over here is trying to reach 250 reviews on iTunes. And I think I'm going to lower that to 200 because I've had that goal for a while and I just thought it would be a little easier. I tend to be a little ambitious, however, when it comes to things like this. So we are at 193 uh, reviews on iTunes. So we're so close. We're so close. It would mean the world if you just hit pause, go to iTunes if you're not listening from there already, and just say what you think. If you don't like it, you, you shouldn't do this, but... <laughs> If you do, I would love to hear from you. It can be so short and so easy. Just a positive review helps other girls find this. And obviously that is our goal for to do this work and also for it to reach more ears and more hearts and more humans and more amazing people to leave reviews like this that we get from Christina McNugget. It says, this podcast has changed my life. It says, I listen to this podcast while I'm driving and they are such good starts to my day. Most episodes have testimonies and they are all incredibly inspiring. Thank you, Katie, for blessing us with this wonderful wisdom. I'm constantly bringing you up to my friends and people I barely know because your work is so beneficial. Oh, that is so sweet. Thank you so much, Christina. And as she said, this work is important to her and I hope that it's important to others. And so help us to reach others by leaving a review. Okay. Today we're talking about friendships. I am excited about this. This is an often requested topic for us to dive into. And we've talked about this a few more times on the podcast. So I'm going to link a few more episodes, but this is a brand new book all about friendships. Let's get into it. This is where we have weekly conversations with the people I love most from the internet as we navigate all the things that we wish we knew when we were 20. My goal is to help you avoid heartache and go further, faster, and have more joy in life. And today we're going to do that talking about friendships. And I'm so excited to have my guest, the author of the new book, talking about 10 friends that you need, the Life Council. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Yes. I have so much to unpack, but first of all, in my Instagram stalking of you, you just seem like a girl who knows how to have fun. You have some good friendships and I want to know if you could adopt me. <laughs> I would love to, but thank you for stalking my Instagram because it's my favorite place to be. And it is a lot of fun. I feel like over there. It is fun. It is so fun. And you look like you have a lot of fun. You, not too long ago, came to Nashville, which is my neck of the woods. I'm in Chattanooga. And you're in LA, correct? That's right. I've been in Los Angeles for 23 years, but I actually grew up in Oklahoma. So even though I've been here a long time, I still consider myself an Oklahoma girl. I will say that. Yeah, where your roots are. I totally get that. Well, I want to get into this idea of friendships and you, you wrote this book called The Life Council. And I, I guess my first question is like, what was the behind the scenes? I know your first book had to do a lot with relationships and stuff like too, but yeah, why, why now and why the book and all that good stuff? So I started working online during a time of deep loneliness. So this was like 13 years ago. I was in my late 20s, by the way. I was newly married. I had a new baby and I did not have any friends. <laughs> I mean, I had childhood friends and college friends from back in Oklahoma, but I had been in Los Angeles working in film and TV production. And when I stopped that to start my family life, I found myself so lonely in LA in this like city 
of millions and millions of people, I could not find girlfriends. And I tried every which way. I tried mommy groups. I tried, you know, going out to the bar scene. Like I had tried every single way that I could think of in my 20s to make friends. And it just hadn't really gone very well. I'd made some work friends, I guess, when I was working. But when I stopped that, again, I had like nobody. And so the two things that helped me in that lonely time was starting a blog. This was 2010. So think back. And starting a book club. It was something that was on my calendar once a month, every single month. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel and find something fun to do with acquaintances. It was like something that was already there. So the consistency of the book club and then putting myself out online on the blog, those two things in those early days of parenthood and marriage, like changed my whole life. And especially the online piece, sharing myself online, which sometimes gets a bad rap. People overshare or you should be mindful of privacy or like sharing online isn't cool anymore. I don't know. All of those things. I don't care. It changed my whole life. Like this is the good part of the internet is that you can find friends. And so as I started talking about that, like I started talking about loneliness or making friends through people I'd met on the internet. As I started talking about that topic, just because I was sharing my life on the blog, I feel like women came out of the woodwork. Other women who were in their 20s, people who are ahead of me, you know, in their 30s, everyone wanted to talk about friendship and how hard it was in adulthood and how like nobody talks about that. We talk about like the struggles of marriage. We talk about the struggles of like career, you know, pursuing. We do not talk about that friendship is a hard thing to relearn in your adulthood where the rules are different when you're not in school anymore. And it also feels like that friendship should be this unending resource. Like there should, there's millions of people to have friends with. And I'm telling you, I was living in one of the biggest cities in the U.S. and could not find friends. And so that is why I started being a little bit more intentional about what I was writing about. I wrote my first book about how to connect with friends and like take your relationships to a deeper level. That book was called Share Your Stuff. I'll go first. And then this book, The Life Council, is more about looking around at the people in your life and seeing how we can bring our strengths to the table and like see people in a different light. Just because they're not your soul sister, just because you're not having deep, meaningful heart-to-hearts, that they can still be like valuable. And so I don't want people to be scared by the tagline or the subtitle of the Life Council, which is 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. If you don't have 10 friends, that's fine. That's not what the book is about. <laughs> it's about friends over your lifetime, looking at the 10, the 10 kind of roles that different people can bring to your life in friendship. I love that. And you're already like firing so many words I can relate because uh, when I was newly married and had babies, also was part of a book club. And I look back Almost none of us live in the same city anymore. You know, we all are in different stages of life, but I think we would all agree. Those were, I think it was about nine women and we were life giving to each other. And that, you know, it was the cheese to my macaroni. Like it was, you know, love my husband, love my kids, want to leave you away and get some girl time once a month. Um, We would stay up till like two o'clock in the morning. Like we were college students. It was wonderful. Um, You also said, as on my stalking of you, 
are part of a mastermind group, which is also something that I have recently joined. I've been in part for about two years and talk about life giving. And I think that this is something probably a lot of our 20 year olds had never heard of. So I wonder if you maybe just, I mean, I, I want to talk about a million things, but just go ahead and camp on what a mastermind is and how that can serve girls um, in their life stage. Okay. So the mastermind idea, when I first heard of it, it was sort of like a thing for like high level, like CEOs or like, you know, really intense entrepreneurs. And a lot of times you paid to be a part of it or, you know, it was just, I felt like I wasn't there, you know, in my online work and podcasts and stuff. I was like, well, I'm not like, I don't consider myself a big time entrepreneur to be in that type of a mastermind. But masterminds, especially in a business sense, they can be whatever you make them. And so we got together a group of four. Actually, the other three women knew one another in a different context, and they invited me in. So there's four of us, Kendra Adachi, the Lazy Genius, Bree McCoy, who is a recipe blogger and author, and then Jamie Golden, who is a fellow podcaster on the podcast. So we were all doing similar-ish things, writing or podcasting, but... They, did, they weren't exactly the same. We didn't feel competitive with one another. They weren't so much the same that that would be problematic. But we were all in different tar- parts of the country. And I needed friends where we could talk about our business and basically only our business. <laughs> like I was like, I don't want to talk about my personal life with you. Like I need to just talk about like how we can grow our email lists or like Instagram strategy or whatever. Now, now the four of us have been together for a long time, and so we do talk about personal things, and we are friends. But the origin of that group, which is a seat on the Life Council that I write about, is just a work friend. It doesn't have to be a formal mastermind like this, like we meet every month and we have this kind of structure because we're all freelancers. And you know, a lot of people in their 20s these days are freelancers. If you're working at home alone all day, like you just, you need to have someone that you can talk about work with, like you don't have necessarily in this job market as much. You don't have like someone in the cubicle next to you. Right. Now, if you if you are in a job where you have someone in the cubicle next to you, then great. That can be your business bestie. You can have lunch together every day and like, you know, groan about the boss or whatever it is that kind of bonds you. But if you are like so many of us are working from home or working in a non-traditional career, then seeking out a business bestie or a group of business besties, and we're calling it a mastermind, it can be like, it can, first of all, it can change your whole business. It's changed my business completely, like taking in the wisdom of these women. But it can also feel like um, a part of your spirit, a part of your soul to have someone who understands your work. Because my my mom friends, my husband, they do not understand my work. They do not know what I do all day. So I was like, I need friends that do understand that. Yes, I just wanted to bring that up because I myself in my mom group, you know, like I said, when I go to the school and, and carpool and whatever, whatever, my friends don't understand email lists and podcast recordings, and that's fine. You know, as you said, different friends for different seasons and different groups and all that kind of stuff, but. And this, this group, this mastermind group that we created had to be done on purpose. And so I think it's just, I want to bring that up because you talk about being friends when you become an adult, when you're past school, it isn't, they don't land on your front porch and beg you to be your friend. Like you have to create these on purpose. And then mm-hmm. as you also said, not one friend could potentially be all the things it's different, different departments as you will, or whatever. So anyway, all that being said, I want you to first maybe just kind of unpack when you are out of school. 
creating friendships on purpose. Maybe no one told our listeners that, um, you know, I didn't get the memo. Um, it is something that you do have to do on purpose. So maybe just camp there for a second. Tell us what it looks like to do that. Okay. So when we first learn about friendships, like, you know, in kindergarten or whatever, when we're learning, like, this is how you make friends, you share your toys and you, you know, include one another. You're always kind. Like a lot of those things that we learn when we're young still apply when we're adults, right? Like we want to be inclusive of others. We want to be kind. We want to be, you know, share our stuff and be generous in that kind of way. But the piece that we never really learn or never really taught for most of us is the intentional, like, can we get together? Like literally making plans whether they're casual or formal, because school-age friends, you're together in school all day long, like from you know, 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Even when you get into college, if you take that route, you know, if you live in a dorm, if you are in a sorority, if you know, all of those different things that sort of serve up friendship on a silver platter, like they're like, here are the people that you will be friends with because you live with them or you go to class with them or whatever. And in adulthood, that is not true. And maybe you don't know your coworkers or like them, or, you know, maybe you're working at home, like we always said. So you have to do this thing that's like basically called let's be friends. You have to say kind of let's be friends. That feels so vulnerable. I totally get that. Every time that I have sort of put myself out there and said like, let's be friends, let's grab a coffee, let's grab a margarita, let's stay you know, start taking morning walks together or whatever. It hasn't always been fully reciprocated. Not everyone like, you know, has space on their plate for a new friendship or whatever, but I have never felt like an idiot either. It has always been met with kindness or enthusiasm. It does feel awkward. I get it, but it can change your whole life to put yourself out there. Like, I feel like I keep saying that because I'm speaking to the loneliness that so many of us are feeling, but you have to be intentional about it. And I have a couple of tips for like what makes it easier. So one is like the book club, make it something that is somewhat recurring. Like it is just too exhausting to come up with a friendship date every time. I mean, you're just, you can only like go grab coffee so many times or whatever it is. If it's a person that you know likes to do the same workout you do, then like join a yoga class that's, you know, once a week. You're going to see that person once a week. And then that might sort of lead into let's grab coffee after. But it's already this recurring thing. Or pick a friend that loves the same band you do. So you can kind of bond over like let's go to these concerts or any kind of hobby that you have. A book club, like we mentioned, morning walks, if it's a neighbor that you can just like meet up on the corner and walk uh, your neighborhood a couple of times, like pick things when you're trying to, you know, make a new friend, pick things that are naturally recurring. It's just easier. In some ways, if you're a mom, that might come up like a little more naturally when uh, maybe you have a kid in sports, or maybe you're always going to be at like the Friday pep rally thing, whatever your school does, make an effort to go to those things and sit with friends. Like those are naturally recurring things. And that takes about like 90% of the work out of it when you have, you know, it's just too exhausting on our hearts to have to just keep constantly texting people and being like, 
want to get together or putting together a mom's night out or a girl's night out or whatever with a group of friends. Like, God bless the people who are ringleaders like that. But you just cannot, like, how many times can you do that without being like, okay, someone else needs to plan the night out? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love the, the reoccurring idea. That's such a, I was just thinking the other day about how um, we have a, a family that we love. Like they have kids the same age. Like I love the wife. My husband loves the husband. Like, great. And it took us forever to find a time that worked together. And I'm like, I just need to be like, listen, the third Wednesday of the month or whatever it is, like, we just need to make this a reoccurring thing. Yes. That really matters because you know there's research out there that says you have to spend a certain amount of time with people like, you know, I don't remember the exact stats, but, you know, a hundred hours with someone before you really feel like they're a friend. And then like a thousand hours before you feel like they're a good friend. Well, you got to get those hours in somehow. And you simply cannot come up with a hundred hours of coffee dates. You cannot, you have to put it on the calendar and it can be as casual as like, we're just going to have pizza every Friday night or, you know, whatever your life looks like. After the soccer game, we're always going to go grab lunch together. Fit it into your existing life, yeah. but you have to put in those hours. It's It, it sucks, but it's, it, it's part of it. And, and you can make the process so that it doesn't suck, so that it's fun and enjoyable. Yeah. Well, as you said, you know, we're already spending those time when we're in school, we're spending those time with people day in and day out. And you don't think about it when you're graduated, you're like, oh, well, I, I need to talk to these people. You will find this fascinating. I even interviewed some girls who also wrote a book on friendship and you may or may not heard this, but they were talking about in the olden days, <laughs> the, the women got together in the river and washed their clothes. That was like, they all got together, washed the clothes, the neighbors, whatever. And when washing machines were invented, everybody's like, this is going to be the greatest thing. Save all this time. Rates of depression in women went up because they didn't have their friends. Isn't that fascinating? I've read something like that. What book was it? I'll be there were- and I'll be in sweatpants. <gasps> okay. I've seen that. I haven't read that one, but I have heard that anecdotal story about like in the 50s when a lot of modern conveniences happened, like even um, microwavable food and things like that, like like it changed the way that women did their days or did their community or whatever. And I absolutely see that. Another side of that, like sort of a almost an opposite side of that is back in the day, people could only have a few friends. Like even if you talked on the phone to your friends every day or a couple times a week or your neighbor or whatever, like because of the way we were communicating then on the phone or in person or in letters, like you only had a handful of them. It was like only possible to have that kind of connection. Now we can have infinite number of connections because of online social media or texting or any of the ways that we can communicate. And yet we're lonelier than ever because we feel like we know people, but they don't know us, or we feel like they're having a much cooler life than we are, or all these different ways, or like texting alone does not make a friendship. And so there's all these different ways that like, yes, we have these modern conveniences of microwaves and dishwashers and all all the things, but we still have to like be super aware, like stay super mindful of like, but do I really feel connected to how many people? And is these online connections, and I'm very for making friends online, as I said, but all of these like sort of surface level online connections 
it doesn't replace some of the other deeper, meaningful connections. But sometimes we get years down the road before we start to pay attention to that. You know, you're so busy in your 20s, in your 30s. You're, you know, chasing a career. You, you know, have a new relationship. Maybe you have a family. Maybe you have a new home, like whatever. There's a million ways for you to be super busy. And sometimes this is one of the reasons I wrote this book because I am in my 40s. People look up in their 40s from their very busy life and they realize that they don't have the deep connections that they had when they were younger. They've just been so busy. They haven't been paying attention. They've been letting Facebook friends stand in for real friends. And I don't want younger people to make that mistake. I want them to be paying attention when they're young, that they need to put all this work and intention into friendships over these decades so that they don't get to midlife and are like, ugh, you know, I'm alone. Yes. I'll preach. I'm like, say it louder. (laughs) That's going to be the highlight. Let me go ahead and write that down. (laughs) If you haven't yet heard about Curious Elixir's booze-free cocktails, let me introduce you. These are my favorite. I especially love pomegranate, but essentially it is a cocktail with no alcohol. So that means no questionable decisions and no hangovers. And they also have adaptations, which are naturally occurring mushrooms that help you unwind. Don't worry, there's no taste of mushrooms anywhere. There's all kinds of different flavors. Like I said, I love the pomegranate the most, but they are just really good. And also very helpful if you're in college or you go to a lot of events where people have alcohol and people ask, oh, why aren't you drinking? Which is so annoying you can bring a Curious Elixir booze-free cocktail. Tell them to mind their own business and you just enjoy yourself with your Curious Elixir's booze-free cocktails. There is a promo code waiting for you at the link in the show notes. I just opened back up my six-week mentoring. For the longest time, I've just had one-time calls and discounts on future calls, but now you get more bang for your buck and more time to work on whatever it is you wanna work on. I love to help young people imagine where they want to be and give you tools and tips on how to get there. So I would love to do that with you. I have six-week mentoring available options at my link in bio. I will put it in the show notes, but I would love to do that with you. I wonder if you can unpack, as you do in the book, the 10 friends every woman needs. Like, Give, give us like a overarching like 10,000 fit view, if you will. Okay, so... The 10 friends, the ones that I lay out, I have friends in every one of these categories, but I really do want the reader as they're hearing this or when they're reading the book to fill in sort of what their own life looks like. This, These 10 friends that I lay out are to really to get your sort of juices flowing and think about the landscape of your own life. They're not like so, so prescriptive that I'm like, these are exactly the 10 friends. And if you don't have them, you're screwed and lonely forever. That is not the vibe. The vibe is here are 10 general type of friends that I think really fulfill some deep needs in us, but also yours are going to look really different from mine. So I write about the mentor, the business bestie, as we talked about. I write about a new friend and an old friend. Old friends get all the glory. And I have a whole chapter about old friends. But new friends are so special in their own right. People who are meeting you as you are now, they don't have any baggage for who you were before. They are meeting the person that you have fought to become. That is such a special relationship. Do not discount a new friend because they don't know 
you know, everything about your past. That's what their superpower is, that they don't know everything about your past and you can be your most present current self. I also write about the daily duty friend. I write about the fellow obsessive, a friend that's obsessed with the same thing you are, whatever that is. If it's like The Bachelor or The Peloton or, like I said, a band or a podcast, anyone that's obsessed with the same thing you are. The Soul Sister, the Password Protector. The Password Protector is both literal and metaphorical. So my password protector like literally has the passwords to, you know, my social media accounts and things like that. But it's also metaphorical of who is going to, you know, keep your secrets, who is going to be a vault for the things that you need to share. So, you know, I have a dear friend that is that. There's a mentor. You know, a mentor might be a seasonal type of friend. You might have a mentor at the beginning of your career. You might become a mentor yourself. So that's not a seat on the Life Council that might be there your whole entire life. But at some point, I hope you have some type of mentor. Do you know that you can book a call with me? Yep, just you and me. We can talk about boys or faith or finding your calling or what you want to be when you grow up or anything in between. My passion, as you know from this podcast, is to be who I needed when I was younger. And I book online mentoring calls all throughout the week. I have a calendar where you pick a time that works for you and we just set a phone call, date, and make it happen. Usually I'm walking around my neighborhood. You can do whatever you want, but we're going to just get to all the good stuff. Sometimes all you need is an unbiased therapy party who has your best interest at heart. I want to be your adopted mom, cool aunt, best friend, whatever you want to call me, but let's get real. Let's get honest. I would love to be your mentor. Check all the information at katiebulmer.life. And then there's a space if we didn't name all 10, but there is a space for the empty chair. I write a whole chapter that gives just space, just reverence to the friendships that we have lost Friendship breakups are a big topic that I talk about. Sometimes we lose friends to tragedy. There's a space for this empty chair on your life council that I hope is, sometimes it's a tender sore spot, but I hope eventually it becomes like a place of hope, an empty chair that is ready to be filled. It is basically your heart staying open to the new friends who are going to come in and take different seats on your life council. I love all this so much. I think that friendships, just having this conversation is just so life-giving because we expect it to be easy. We expect, you know, that everyone has friends, but when you have these conversations, as you said, online, people are saying, oh my gosh, thank you because I'm feeling lonely. And as you said, we're more connected, but more lonely. And like, I'm just so thankful that you wrote this book and like these conversations are out there. Like, I'm here for it, sister. (laughs) Yes, I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I wonder if you can just kind of take us behind the curtain and from the girl who wrote the book on friendship, obviously we're talking about relationships, so no one's perfect and that's okay, but maybe a little bit about your friendships and what that's looked like for you. So I grew up in a really small town in Oklahoma and it was kind of one of those spaces where we all know each other, like from cradle to grave kind of thing, like everybody knows one another. So I didn't really totally understand this intention that you have to have behind friendship until I got to those lonely years, like I said. I also went to college where I was in a sorority. I was also part of a summer camp culture that, like, you know, had these deep, deep, meaningful friendships. So when I bebopped out to L.A. in my 20s, I just thought friendship was easy and going to be easy. So it was such a, like, awakening to me when it wasn't. 
And then in my 30s, you know, I had babies. Like I said, I was trying to build this online presence. I was doing a lot of writing. And my best friends in my 30s lived primarily through a screen. I made a lot of other friends who were bloggers or writers. And that became very, very meaningful to me. So in my 30s, that was what friendship looked like for me. And then in my 40s, I'm 43 now. So in my late 30s, like right before I turned 40, is when my kids started elementary school. And we started in a new community for us here in LA. And that's when I made my first mom friends. I had been told that mom friends would just show up once the baby was out of your belly. Like I was like ready for mom friend life. And it did not happen for me until my kid went to elementary school. So until she was like six. So I had been a mom for six years and had not really had those mom connections until our school community, which really fosters that. And I really felt like I met other women that were very like-minded. So for the last like five-ish years, my you know deepest friends have been some of my mom friends. Now that said, collecting all these different friends, childhood friends, college friends, online friends, mom friends, in the pandemic, a lot of those friendships went through some tough times. I actually start off the book, The Life Council. I started off with a friendship reckoning that happened for me with a friend pretty early in the pandemic. She lives with um, an, her elderly father who is very medically compromised. And we had a misunderstanding about some COVID pro- protocol things which this happened across the country. Yeah. People who had different life circumstances, people who felt differently about all the things. I mean, you know how divided we got. That sh- yeah. yeah, it showed up in friendships because of course it did. And mm-hmm. I almost lost this friendship over that. We had to have a big sit down talk like you would have in a romantic breakup or something that we think of to be like, we have to decide if we're still going to be friends or if this difference is really going to divide us forever. And so I wrote the book about friendship, but I didn't want anyone to think that I'm a friendship expert. I've had my own struggles. I've had my own stuff. You know, I, I had a friendship breakup several years ago that was devastating for me. It was heartbreaking, as heartbreaking as any romantic, you know, breakup I'd ever gone through. And when I talked about that publicly, I got so many people who responded that they were glad I was giving, you know, space to how devastating a friendship breakup can be. Because even though friendship breakups happen, I feel like sometimes the people in our world might be like, oh, well, well, there's more fish in the sea. Like there's lots of friends out there. And you feel like you don't have the chance to really say no, but like, I'm devastated that this one is over. I am sad that I got broken up with. I am yeah. sad that I had to to end a friendship over something. I mean, it is truly, it can take years to heal from a friendship breakup. And I don't think people talk about that. People And other people in our world don't give it credence. You know, if you don't get out of bed for weeks because of a romantic breakup, people are like, oh yeah, breakups are hard. But if you have that same type of reaction to a friendship breakup, people are like, what are you doing? Pull it together. Yeah. 
And I really wanted, this, this is what inspired the empty chair chapter. I really wanted to like tell people, if you have been devastated by a friendship breakup, that is so real and you are not the only one. So to answer the question, my friendships look all kinds of ways. <laughs> they look all kinds of ways. And I am no expert, but I have had a lot, hundreds of hours of conversations about this online and in real life. And I ended up writing the book that I needed, actually. If someone had told me the life council concept in my 20s, I do feel like it would have helped my expectations because I thought that friendships had to be like besties. All friendships had to be best friendships, deep friendships. If someone had said to me when I was younger, oh no, your friendships can look all kinds of different ways. You can have a shallow friend. You can have a friend that is only a work friend. You can have all these different things and it will still fill your cup to just have a friend that only shares your silly obsession. It isn't any deeper than that. And that will be so fun for you. If someone had given me that framework when I was young, I think it would have helped with a lot of disappointments and expectations for me in friendship. I love that. I was about to ask, you know, what are some of the like next steps for friendship. But I, I think that that's kind of the first one is managing your expectations. Because as you said, people think, oh, this is my friend and therefore we are soul sisters for life. Well, I mean, <laughs> that, that that's great to have those, but not every friend is that. And I love what you said specifically about the obsessive friend, because I think about that, like there's so many um, like bands that I love or influencers that I fangirl over. And I have another friend I can think of who is the same. And like, I just, we get each other in that area. Maybe we don't make the same thing for dinner or do the same workouts and that's okay, but we can obsess over this one random thing. I just think that that's a fun title to put around a friendship. I love that. Yeah. Those types of friends are really fun. Fellow obsessive friends are so fun. And as long as you can just release the idea that like, just because you talk about, you know, The Bachelor together every single week, does you don't have to invite her to your birthday party. Like yeah. she's your fellow obsessive friend. That's what she is to you. That's what you are to her. It literally doesn't have to go beyond that. And that doesn't make it shallow. That doesn't make you dumb. That is a fun aspect of your life. And fun is like totally underrated. We all need fun. And that's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be your emergency backup friend that, you know, you call when there's a tragedy. It's just a friend that you talk about influencers with, like you said, yeah. or whatever. Yeah, that's so good. Well, so obviously I think managing your expectations is, I want everyone to hear that. But then maybe just a next step, if you can give our listeners like, okay, I'm hearing you. I just came from the pandemic. Uh, or, you know, I moved to a new city. I feel lonely. Um, I think there's so many people afraid to do that invite or do that work. And we talked about that at, at, at the beginning, but maybe just a next step or someone who can invite someone over or go to the thing, just do it. Just do it. Like, what's that step look like? Well, let me give you some help. If this is really scary to you, like if you're like, I just can't do it. Like I absolutely cannot just randomly cold text someone and ask them if they want to get together. Like that's just too much for me. There are in this digital world of the internet ways that will help you get over that because there's a lot of places that they foster this exact thing. So when I was researching this book, I went to meetup.com. Like it's a website that you sign up for. And now I'm in a big city. So 
that's helpful because there's obviously a lot more to choose from. If you're in a smaller town, this might not apply to you. But like on Meetup, you can put in what your different interests are, book clubs, photography, hiking, yoga, whatever your thing is. And then they will, there are Meetup groups for that. And so- then you're not cold texting someone. Now, eventually, if you make a friend at one of these meetups, then you might have to take that next step. But there are apps out there and websites out there that will help you join Facebook groups that will also do that same thing. I live with my um, 23-year-old niece lives with us, and she moved to LA from Oklahoma. She also came from Oklahoma, didn't know anyone. And it has been so interesting to watch her make friends in the big city and it in having these ways that I didn't have. So she used apps like Bumble for friends, which I did not know was a thing. I didn't either. Good to know. There's like a dating app. Bumble can be a dating app, but you can also do it for friends and like meet up. There are certain influencers. Again, this this part might be a big city thing, but if you're listening from a city, there are certain like influencers that the 20 something people I know follow who put together meetups in the same way. So if you see these things come through your feed, you have to go. Yeah. That that's a different level of like, you know, being nervous about it. That's not sending a random text to someone. You, you might have to show up by yourself and go, but presumably at these same things there are other people there who also were nervous to come. And so yeah. <laughs> that's the that's the step. I mean, I guess I just don't want people to think that there's just one way or it has to be done a certain way. Like throw a bunch of spaghetti against the wall. Try meetup.com. Try a Facebook group. Try um, the cold texting. Like there's a lot of different ways that you can make this work. Go to some kind of a class and then just talk to the person sitting next to you. There, There's all kinds of ways don't think, well, I have to do it one way or don't discount like never in my life would I use a friendship app. Why? Why would you limit yourself? Like if you're the lonely one and you want to change this for you, there is no friendship fairy. You have to change it for yourself. Yes. Um, I just saw a TikTok the other day and it says, it said you're already at no. So thinking about, well, what if they don't want to hang out with me? Or what if I go to this place and I don't see anyone? You're already at no. So you can only go up from here. You can only possibly meet a new best friend. And I also think about the other girl who's scared of, of, she's worried about the same things you are, but you give her the gift of going first. You give her the gift of sending that text. You give her the gift of inviting her or showing up. How many of your new best friends are waiting for you to just do the dang thing and show up or make the text or whatever? That's right. And also kind of follow through the line of thought of like, what's the worst case scenario here? I go to a meetup and I don't really like any of the people. And so then I go home. Okay. Well, yeah, that wasn't that bad. I mean, (laughs) what do you mean? I mean, this is not involving world's hardest thing. You're going to go, you're going to see how it goes. Like one of the things I talk about in the, in the book is let it be loose. We are holding so tightly to what we want friendship to be or how we want an evening to go or a girl's night out to go or a friend date to go, loosen up about it. Let it be loose. Let yourself be like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't connect there. Or yeah, that didn't work, but I tried it. Let it all be looser. Now, this might be a personality type, but for me, I just was like holding everything so tightly. I got my feelings hurt too easily. I felt like 
if if I didn't connect with someone that it was personal, like that I was like a bad person or unfun or whatever. And a lot of times it's not. No one else is paying attention to you as much as you are paying attention to you. So if we could just loosen up about this making friends thing or being friends, even being in our current friendships and stop keeping score, stop overanalyzing how a night went or a meetup went or whatever. If we can just, like I can feel it in my body as I'm talking about it. If we can just like loosen our grip on our expectations and even on our hopes and let them unfold a little bit easier by putting ourselves out there, letting it unfold does not mean you stay home. Right. But like letting it be a flop. If the worst thing that happens to you is that the evening was a flop, like that's not bad. Amen. I'm so excited. I'm like ready to go text 12 people and ask them to be my best friend. (laughs) What are you doing tomorrow? Can we be a best friend? Thank you. (laughs) Well, Laura, I love this conversation. I can't wait to get my hands on the book. It comes out in April, right? April 4th, everywhere. Yeah, April 4th. Okay. Well, I have to ask you our million dollar question that we ask all of our guests before we close out. And that is, if you could have coffee with your 20 year old self, what would you say? Ah, that is such a good question. I did not know that I was going to repeat myself. So I (laughs) I was like, should I say, let it be loose? No. Um, If I could meet with my 20-year-old self. So when I was 20, I was still in college at the University of Oklahoma. I had not yet moved to Los Angeles. I had not yet gone through a really difficult romantic breakup that sort of precipitated my move to Los Angeles. So if I could meet up with 20-year-old Laura, I would truly encourage her to just keep going because there are so many times in my 20s that I, I wanted to go home. I guess is what I better say. Let me re- readjust. I would tell her to stay in LA. There were so many times when I questioned staying out here in LA, you know, thousands of miles from my family, going through these lonely periods, unsure of what kind of career I wanted. And I kept wanting to like, I don't know, start over or you know, have a reset or move back home or whatever. As it turned out, I did stay in LA, but I questioned it. If if I could have told myself like, stay in LA, and then I had just held to that in my 20s, it probably been, it would have been a much easier ride. And so I would have, I would have wanted that encouragement. My 20-year-old self needed that encouragement to, to kind of keep pursuing things and stay on this wild ride that I was on. You would have had so much angst over it, I guess, probably. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I could have made it easier on myself because even though that is ultimately the the choice that I made for myself, I made it harder than it had to be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank you for talking about such an important topic on friendships. It's something that is under talked about and you did the dang thing. And I love that you said you wrote the book that you needed. And I think that those are the best books of the people who are just like, listen, I don't have it all figured out, but here's what I know so far. And I think you have some pretty good stuff to share. Thank you so much. I just love chatting with you. This was so fun. Oh, likewise. 
you enjoyed this episode, I would enjoy you sharing it with a friend. If you take a screenshot and share it on your social, make sure you give me a tag at Katie Bulmer Life, and I will definitely make sure I respond. And thank you so much for sharing the love. Hey, and if you're new to the podcast, make sure you scroll back. We have over a hundred episodes interviewing experts and 20 somethings and everyone in between tackling all the hottest topics you wish you knew, but maybe just don't. This is called the Truth for Your 20s podcast, and I'm so thankful that you are here.